0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, and welcome to today's virtual Commonwealth Club program. My name is Julie Lotta, Program Manager with Applied Materials. Through Generation Girl, the Applied Materials Foundation is dedicated to inspiring girls to pursue their dreams. One of the best ways to encourage the next generation of diverse female leaders is to introduce them to inspirational women. And so we are thrilled to be a part of today's program with Linda Yvette Chavez, co-creator, co-showrunner, and executive producer of the Netflix hit series, Hentified. Through her creative ventures, Linda has made it her mission to tell authentic Latinx stories and increase representation, not just in actors, but in narratives and settings. The bold success of these efforts has won her critical acclaim and praise from audiences and the writer's room alike. We're eager to hear from one of the top Latinas changing the game of representation in television about breaking the bias and inspiring future generations. Moderating our conversation today is Michelle Miao, producer and host of the Michelle Miao Show and member of the Commonwealth Club's Board of Governors. Please join me in welcoming Linda and Michelle. Thank you so much, Julie. I am
1: so thrilled, so thrilled to be moderating this conversation with Linda. Linda, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm great. And I'm so uh, much better that I'm sitting here with you now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I want to first say thank you so much for Hentified. I mean, you know, especially for us in the BIPOC community, but also the first generation immigrant children. It was so important. So I just want to I just want to say thank you before we begin our conversation.
2: Well, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I thought we could start off with
1: something that I think you're very familiar with, and that is trauma bonding. Um, I know that you (laughs) have mentioned trauma bonding before. It was something that you used to do with Marcus, who is your co-showrunner and also director of Hentified, co-creator of Hentified. Um, So I'm going to leave it at that. Let's trauma bond.
2: All right. You want me to talk about trauma bonding, or you and I are going to trauma bond shortly?
1: I think we should trauma bond. There's so much going on right now that's traumatizing, yeah. oh. and I, I just yeah. think that let's let's create that that space for a little bit of trauma bonding.
2: I feel you. I feel that. I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, you know, I, I f- today, for example, I had a couple people reach out and just say, "I'm not okay." There's a lot going on, especially. Uh, young folks, young young people of color, um, a lot of people who are experiencing uh, just a lot of pressure and stress. And so I wanna I wanted to take it there and maybe offer space for you to exchange, maybe what you're hearing, what you're experiencing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're it's a tough, a very tough time for so many people, and it's it's kind of almost feels uh, the right word's not silly or ridiculous, but a little. Odd to say, because we've been saying that for so long now, <laughs> like this feeling of like things don't feel all right and, or we get these highs and then we have to come back down to these lows that are not expected sometimes. And I think recently for us, uh, for me in particular, another, you know, the, the shooting that happened in a was really traumatic for not only obviously the victims, but so many of us who like have, you know, have to... For all of us, right? But also for me in particular, I feel like seeing people who look like me um, having to go through something like that is very difficult to comprehend and process, and um, that's hard to take in and process when you're trying to be creative. And and I think so many of us are trying to continue to work and be in, in the orbit of our lives and, and continue to move forward, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of space to process a lot of the the trauma and the grief that we're experiencing and. For me, that's sad. Like, I wish there was more um, opportunity and spaces like this for people to come in and really talk about what has been so difficult for them and also talk about the places where they're finding joy and support and love and how can we come together to find um, light even in the midst of the darkness?
1: Yeah, I'm really hoping uh, that that's a case and, you know, the entire country uh, really focused on what's happening in Uvalde and at the same time, it, it made me think about um, a, a, ten, a potential scene in Hentified, you know, focused in on the lived experiences of the Latinx community. And I, I kind of went into this thing where I was like, I really wish that, you know, the media told the stories of these families the right way. I don't know if you have a feeling about that. And what I mean by that is like talking about them for who they truly are
2: yeah I mean, like really diving into who these people are I, I mean listen, I think there's some media that maybe is not focusing in on who these people are and i I have found that there have been some who are kind of showing the lives of people and in particular like there's there's a young the young mother who went in to see her children in spite of being handcuffed and like dragged into the space or dragged from going in to get her child like I just recently saw an interview with her and was able to see some of her story and who she is. Um, but I think media, like in, in terms of like television, seeing those real stories, uh, who they are in three-dimensional ways, that is something that I think we're still in, in process and something that we try to do with Fight is being able to show our communities in full form and in 3D, right? Like who are we in so many different ways? And um, I think that 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 is so necessary in order to really understand the breadth of who we are in this country. And that then leads to other things, right? Like rights and being respected and not having to wait an hour plus for police to go and save your children. Because I think that unconscious bias that happens because you don't know someone or because they're different or because they feel foreign to you then leads to unconscious actions that are a result of that, that are not always positive. Um, so yeah, that's what that makes me think of. hmm
1: Let's talk about television. And, you know, Julie had had mentioned it in the intro and you've been successful in uh, inserting, you know, these lived experiences as well as authentic representation in something like television. It's been a wild ride for you between Hentified and, you know, before Hentified never selling a script in Hollywood. And then all of a sudden it's this big Netflix, you know, show. And after two seasons, it gets canceled. But then you also signed a deal um, with 20th Century Television and continuing to write and just script and work with some of the best, like, yeah. right? Like Eva Longoria and America Ferrera. Yeah. And so let's talk about what you've been up to.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's been a wild. It's been almost like seven years now since I came into my life, which is really crazy to say. I was just doing a talk last night with these young Latina directors. And, you know, they were introing me and they're like, she's did all these things in two years. And I was like, no, actually these were all things that have been happening and in process for quite a bit of time. And, um, and now so many of them are being, are out in the world and coming into fruition. And it's been such a a wild ride in so many ways, but also so fulfilling to like make an impact through my work, you know, even though it was two seasons, it was like the little show that could, you know, it's a little show that like really, hit people in the heart especially those who felt the most represented by the show like the amount of people who have sent us messages or talked to us about what the show meant to them was just is like there's millions of people and like that impact for me was the dream that I've had most of my life as a writer and so to be here in this moment uh, where I get to do that and now Flaming Hot actually has been having these feedback screenings in recent months and and more and more people are watching them and the, the feedback has been phenomenal and it's a similar thing like that feeling of like oh the thing i worked so hard to create and put into the world where people get to feel seen and loved and um and celebrated and their their hurts their pains and their joys together get to be depicted in three-dimensional ways like every time i can do that i'm just like over the moon and i think this past year especially has been such a beautiful time and and honestly at the same time it was beautiful it was also hard it's hard to go from um you know nothing to so much and not not to say that there was nothing I've been working really hard for a long time it just looks like the last six years have been kind of where I've reached the pinnacle of my dream right but it's also hard to be there it's also hard to um level up as they say and to wonder about like how are things going to change in your life how are relationships going to change how will you be perceived um can you hack it can you handle it and sometimes, like, you go through this phase of, like, no's, no, 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 it's not enough of the things you want. And suddenly, it's all everyone's throwing everything at you. And then you're like, oh, how do I say no, even though this is all too much, right? So it's it's varied. It's, like, there's so much celebration and love. And then there's also so much, like, to manage and, and process, especially when you don't have folks in your life necessarily who have gone through something similar, right? Like, I don't have people in my family who can who I can turn to and be like, Hey, what happened when you, your career t- took off in Hollywood? Like, I don't have that, you know, I have to looked towards my peers or, or some, you know, makeshift mentors that I met along the way, but it's, it's a little bit of a, a solo kind of lonely journey sometimes. So yeah, but I mean, but it's been great. I've been loving it. You know, it's been amazing.
1: Let's talk about success. Cause you bring up a, a very good point. You know, you've been doing the work you've been writing for a long time um and at a very high level of writing and it it just so happened that this is the the story the journey uh and very many people were you know wanted to pay attention after the success of Hentified because it's not every day like a story like that happens right um that's the thing is I think that we think a little bit backwards about success at times I think Hollywood defines success in a different way in which especially women, women of color um, in these positions like writers or you're in the writing room or directors or producers, you're supposed to be something else. I don't know. Am I off?
2: Am I supposed to be something else in a writer's room? And in what way? Like,
1: like I guess like a, the, you're you're supposed to, I don't know, have a track record that maybe is different or you walk into a successful situation and people think you've already had all this other work and projects uh, under your belt and not, you know, and they kind of think it's like an overnight success. Whereas like you had just talked about, like, I've I've been working on this for a really long
0: time.
2: Yeah, no, I think for me, it's been a, a feeling of like folks thinking like, oh, you're, you're, you're brand new. And some of that is like, I, I have those sweet indigenous genes that make me look younger than I really am. And then there's the other part of it, which is, Um, you know, being a woman, being a woman of color, like often you're infantilized, you know, and you you see you and they think, oh, you haven't been doing, like, what could you have possibly done by this point, right? Um, And then when you actually start to list out all the things you've done, they're like, oh, wow, you are actually extremely qualified for this or overqualified. Um, But yeah, I think it tends to be this idea that you're an overnight success. And and I don't think most people are like, I don't think anyone's an overnight success. If you really look at it, like if you really look at their lives, like most people have been working at it for quite a while, even if they were really young, I feel like I've seen a lot of like young actors who've blown up who like have been doing it since they were five. You know, like you just, you don't see the background. And I think like being able to see behind the scenes of what it takes to get to this place is so vital and important. And I try to talk about it a lot because I think, You know, people need to know that it's not that life is not perfect like that. Things don't just land in your lap like that, that like life is the difficulties you're going through. All the people you look up to are also have gone through as well. And like you are not alone in that Uh, because so many of us are often alone in so many things, even though we all share the same experience and it's important for us to talk about it. And especially women of color who have been historically told to stay silent, to not share the the experiences that we have that, that are so similar, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some of the issues you brought up in Hentified, um, such as immigration, gentrification, racism, queer issues, class issues. I mean, these are, I
2: guess, all the issues. Yeah, you. Would, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I don't know you you know I don't think that uh, you walk into hollywood and say this is gonna sell that's gonna be the next big thing and people really want to listen to these things that real people go through and they're and they're really hard they're hard to hear um but the way that you put you know heads of together obviously you know you're not ashamed that was part of it that you wanted people to get out of it you were not writing this necessarily for uh i don't know the, the definition of success in Hollywood, you're writing this as a love letter to your community.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the show was very much about, um, for me, it's the story I've been trying to tell my whole life, you know, like wanting to put, inject these stories with the people in my life, who I love. I, I often tell the story of like when I was younger, writing in coffee shops and, and where I, like, you know, my fellow immigrant to East L.A. but I, most, I mostly grew up in Norwalk, which is a little south of there. Um, I'd sit in coffee shops and I would look at the people going into that coffee shop because the area was so specific. So you'd have young Latino professionals coming in, young Latino educators, cholos, gangsters coming in to the same Starbucks. So you would have like, you know, old, you know, immigrant mamas with their like children they're coming in and like I would get so emotional just sitting there looking at them because I felt so much love for my community and their stories and their backgrounds and how even though it was a coffee shop, how they all ended up here together in their very backgrounds and stories. And I think, um, sitting with my family, you know, hearing my tias, my aunts tell stories in my in my the my aunt's converted garage where my grandma lived when I was growing up, we'd go there every Sunday and my Tia's all gathered around and told their stories and they were hilarious. They were hysterical and they were funny and there was drama and there was love and there was dancing and I never saw that on television and I was dreaming of that. And so it was many years of me wanting to just put the things that I loved and the people that I love um, on the page. And and I think that's just the artist's calling. Like, you know, I don't know why I have this deep urge inside of me to tell those stories, but there they are. And Hansified, for me, was the place where I got to like really just like spill all of that love into it and I think that was true for Marvin as well like we both were just like ready to spill our love into these characters in this world and and it was so vital and important so you know ultimately when we walked into these rooms with these with the story like we were like you know take it or leave it but this is what it's going to be because this is going to be the most authentic version of who we are and we're not going to apologize for that um, and I actually think it served us to come in unapologetically and authentically because you can feel that raw realness. And I think executives, that's ultimately what they're looking for in a show. Whatever you're talking about in the show, class, race, whatever. Cool. But like, if there's an authentic realness to the story you're telling, it's going to always, you know, call to all kinds of people. It's going to be universal.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to read what you wrote um, in response to the cancellation of Hentified and this touches on right the subject of success as well you wrote metrics and algorithms will never measure the true impact of what we did here don't let anyone tell you we didn't succeed we blasted through a brick wall and made ourselves known that looks like a whole lot of success to me
2: yeah that was that was a moment for me i um you know the cancellation of the show was, was you know it was when it was like leaked to to deadline like it was not um it was a surprise to us because we had found out a month before so we had some time to process and when it got leaked we thought we had more time to like prepare for that announcement and so we had no preparation (laughs) and the next day you know when or that day when it got leaked like I did not what I didn't expect was I had processed it what I didn't expect was the intense response to the cancellation from the community, like how much it felt like a death in the family. Like I didn't, it felt different from other cancellations. And I don't know that I had expected that. And I think what I was feeling was a community that like had so much, they had so much invested in the show in terms of like this, having a successful show that depicted people that they loved that felt like home and like to have it taken away um in such a way was just uh painful you know it was painful for them to to, for that to happen but what I what I then felt was like hey it's not um I didn't want anyone to walk away feeling like something was taken from them I wanted them to walk away knowing that something was given that they got this beautiful gift that we all got this beautiful gift and we were all deserving of this beautiful gift and that we did succeed because the impact of the show already did what it needed to do like the show did what it needed to do already and that is beautiful and we need to celebrate that and and embrace it because there's so many things in this in the system in this world that take from us right constantly taking from us and making us feel like we're less than or not enough or like not successful in some way and and i did not want to let this moment be one of those moments when we created this beautiful thing that is like so deserving that we all deserved and that um I apologize for the signs, that we all deserve. And and I wanted everyone to keep that front and center versus this feeling of, you know, we all have have, um, the right to mourn and process, but I did also want them to walk away feeling like, damn, look at what we got, this gorgeous, like, story about us. And like, let's celebrate them. And like, let's remember this moment in time and use it as a catalyst for more. Um, And then I wanted Netflix to know it too. Like, you know, I wanted everyone to know that, like, though in your eyes you felt like it was time for us to go i just want to remind you this was successful you may not know the breadth of the success because you cannot measure it in the way that you measure it but know that i know and that so many of us know the breadth of the success of this show and and i think it's us taking back for me and taking back the control the ownership of the narrative of the show and what we did and i think that's super important as people of color as marginalized people to constantly do and, and that's why i wrote that statement because it for me, it was like, mama bear came out. And I was like, let me take care of my people, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much as a creative person, myself and, and queer and a woman and, you know, a child of refugees. It's like, I loved everything about it because I would strive so hard to be successful in other people's eyes that every time I thought that it was failure, I, you know, put myself down. But when I read it, I was like, gosh, what a loss to Netflix because there's so many movies or shows that they have on now that apparently, you know, it works for their algorithm or whatever, but I hate it. (laughs) I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, Netflix is obviously going through their thing uh, now and, and many people not really happy with their decision making. And so on that whole thing of algorithm and how I think, you know, really doesn't give... Uh, I guess, equity for, for, you know, folks like um, yourselves, like myself, you know, I think that that is part of the problem. Why are, our, are our these authentic stories uh, might, might not get told?
2: Yeah. You know, I think it's a difficult thing. I can't like speak directly to like, you know, their actions or what they're doing. Uh, I have no idea, but what I do know is that historically, the way that we are perceived in the world is directly linked to the way that we're represented in media and has been for over 100 years now or 100 years now. Um, and it's very fascinating that this this institution that controls the way that we're represented, that then can often very uh, mostly, almost ever, always impacts the way we're treated in the world through legislation, through unconscious bias, so many ways, right? This tool that's used to create that perception of us is tied up in this like institution that is tied into capitalism right so it's like about the money and the numbers at the end of the day um and it's a hard thing because there's this idea of diversity diversifying um or healing whatever that misrepresentation was and then thinking that you're going to do it in a couple years when it's been a, a hundred years of it, right so like like i think a lot of these there's a lot of folks who've been making initiatives that maybe are starting to kind of fall away. These initiatives around diversity and um, and needing people to understand like that's not going to change in two years. Like you can't erase the unconscious bias. It's going to happen automatically in algorithms. It's going to happen automatically through your media. Like there's still a lot of work to get something like our show into the right homes. Like it's not going to just happen automatically. And, and what, why, whether or not you're going to do the work, right? Are you going to do the work to stay with it? And, and listen, they have a lot of diverse people on other shows and other things. Like there's nothing, and I celebrate that too. And I think it's beautiful. And I'm here for them and here for that and those creators and those those things. I just wonder about like certain types of stories and why those stories are maybe having a difficult time. Um, how do you How do you look at this as not only a business, but also this tool that historically determine the way people are treated and how can you separate the two a little bit so that some of your work is actually purposeful in that way and it's hard it's hard because it is a business you know so it's it's this thing that I've just been thinking about a lot and that has been on my mind a lot in terms of how we um, some of us creators who are trying to do some um, more deeper uh, change work that hopefully will change a system and it's just not going to happen overnight right and 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 that's that's the conundrum that I you know for me is I'm trying to figure out with a place like Netflix right but um, you know I think we'll we'll get there and, and we'll keep having the conversations.
1: Well, we're very lucky that you're still in it. You're still you know moving and shaking. You're still writing and telling yeah. Latinx stories. Um, yeah. We're getting some questions from our audience. Thank you so much. Keep that's them awesome. coming. And uh, in a few minutes, here, I'll open up to your questions. So, you know, the the focus has been taken off just a little bit on issues like immigration, which in season one and two very much uh, you know, was a big topic that was covered and intentified. If we were to bring back the show, you know, what do you think? Would we continue to talk about immigration? What what other themes might you include?
2: What or some, you know, other Wow, it's a big question. Um it's so interesting because when we first pitched the show, we had an idea of what four seasons would look like. And that's kind of what Marvin and I wanted to do. We wanted to do four seasons. Um, and, you know, this storyline was there. Um, the one with Pop, we always knew we wanted to do. And then there was a storyline with Beatrice, um, Anna's mom, that I was always really excited to do, that we didn't get to do. We did a like, kind of a capsule version of it in episode eight of season one, which was to see this... this um, immigrant mother go from being a garment factory worker to becoming an activist and we wanted to show her journey of becoming like someone who leads a movement ultimately in a future season Um, so you see her stand up to her boss in that episode a but that little seed actually came from what we really wanted to do with her arc-wise in the future which is like she was going to become as big of an activist as Anna and she was going to end up leading all these garment workers and stuff and um, and a lot of that was inspired for me from um, some time I spent working on this documentary called Made in LA with the, I was the assistant to the producers and they dealt with garment factory workers in LA and it was just this beautiful film that really actually showed these these gar, uh these factory workers becoming like um, activists and I always to me like you saw it everywhere in all the different movements in the gentrification movement. Like you saw the, the mujeres coming out and, and like le- like learning how to fight for their rights. And for me, that's so impactful and powerful because they're the women in my family. They're my mom, they're my aunts, they're my grandma. They're like the people that like I've always seen my whole life and I want to continue to see. And I um, I would love to have seen that for about Beatriz. And, and I think there was going to be more around gentrification for Anna and her role as an artist, and as she became an even bigger artist having to deal with um, the, the same question of like the impact of her art, like is her art helping or is it hurting? But on a grander scale, we talked about a gallery, like a bigger situation of a gallery where she had her own show. Like we were gonna see a lot of that type of stuff. But um, and we also thought about going to Mexico was of our big thing that you saw at the end, Chris like went to Mexico. I think one of our hopes was in the third season that he would actually, we would go to Mexico and shoot some stuff there. Cause you know, we all just wanted to go eat some good food in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So I'm
1: guessing you, you didn't go to Mexico since the show ended. No.
2: Oh, since the show ended, I have gone to Mexico actually two times. I've gone to Mexico since the show ended. So I, I had my good food. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, every time I eat a burrito I and mean, especially here in San Francisco, I always think about my own impact. I'm like, should I I I love you know I'm always thinking about that and the whole gentrification oh
2: gosh yeah me too me too right I'm always thinking about it also I'm like well I can't do that because I did a show about that like there's always like the question around like but that's the question that's the question of the show like are we doing good are we doing bad and it's very complicated
1: we're going to come back to talking about you know feeling complicated in a little bit I'm going to go to our
2: (laughs) I'm very good at feeling complicated. (laughs) No, but I love that
1: you bring it up and it's so honest because I think, again, we go back to beating ourselves up and sometimes maybe, you know, being complicated is, is beautiful or, yeah. Okay. We're starting to get a a few questions, so I want to make sure I get them in. Um, What is left on your professional bucket list?
2: Ooh, I like that question. What is left on my professional? Well, directing a feature. Um, so I directed an episode of the show last season, but my hope is to direct my own feature um soon, and that's in the works. You know, trying to work on that in different ways, and um, you know, it's a little bit of a final frontier, I think. I also did a cameo this season. and I had so much fun and I want to do more cameos. So like, I don't want to do like full blown acting, but I'm like, I liked being on set. It was fun. Um, it's fun to have that little appearance. And I think that would be really cool. And I think the last thing would be just like being able to uplift other, other creators and writers. Like I really look up to people like Mindy Kaling and Issa Rae and Lena Waithe. Um, and I really want to hopefully create, um, I'm not a big fan of the term empire, but like a mini kind of like empire of like, you know, that has the capacity and the, the, um, the power to fuel other creators and writers from particular backgrounds. Because I think that's uh, the other thing about me is that I'm very specific about the stories that I tell. And a lot of times it involves class. Like I come from a working class community and I think the way, you know, our communities are complex and diverse, right? And some of us within our own communities are. Are much more um, impacted more drastically by the the system than other people in our community. So you know, myself for example, being light like skin Latina, I don't have I have privilege because of that. Growing up poor, I, that was something that was you know someone who grew up with money is not going to know what that that impact is. And I think for me, being able to invest in creators who are creators of color who are much more disenfranchised in those ways, or came from working class communities, or are trying to highlight. Um, black or indigenous bodies, like those, those folks being able to lift those voices and those particular stories is very important to me. And, and women, you know, like women and femmes and like queer stories. Like I want to, I want to be able to to lift up those, those stories. And and that, that would be the like the big, the big next thing for me. So if you're listening and you've got an idea,
1: I would recommend tweeting Linda or.
2: Not yet, not not quite yet. I'm still working towards that. I'll let y'all know when I'm ready for the tweets. <laughs> okay,
1: well we'll follow you. We'll follow you. We'll wait for the, Thank the you. the bat message or the cat message. Yeah. You know. Okay. Um, what has changed in writers' rooms, pitch meetings in TV and film in the last five years? What do you hope will change in the next five years?
2: What has changed? Well, oh, I guess it has been that long for me. I was like, I haven't been in rooms that long, but. I think some of the things that have changed that maybe are not for the better, sadly, are we're seeing much many more mini rooms being greenlit, which is like these short order like writers rooms that are there to, you know, develop the first few episodes of a show and bring your writers into like you know brainstorm all that, and then um, often like whether or not the show gets greenlit is still up in the air, which then makes it difficult for writers to find work and. Those same situations lead to um, productions that often don't have writers on set for production because it saves "quote unquote" saves money, but does not save the sanity of your showrunners <laughs> because they need those writer producers on set. And I think these are all things that hopefully in the next five years, we, it, it's all been affected because of the streaming, these streaming giants that have come in, and um, and that is something I believe the WGA is going to be working towards. Um, renegotiating the next negotiation and I hope that that will then allow writers to have much more stable you know um, work and then on top of that I think the rooms are starting to get more diverse um, which is awesome because you're getting more and more people in positions of power like myself who can make those decisions and really help uplift and um, create more opportunities because the advocacy to give people opportunities is equally important as like you putting the opportunities out there. Like sometimes you can say like, yes, we want diverse directors. And then you bring a list and then they're like, okay, but not those because they don't have enough credits. And then you have to go, yeah, but a lot of people don't have enough credits because historically we've been excluded from this whole industry. <laughs> so then you have to have someone like me really fight for and advocate for that person, which is why you need people like me behind the camera and positions of power. So I think hopefully that is also ch- changing. I see that shift kind of happening as I see more and more people getting their shows so that, that's the, the pros and cons of streamers right on one side there's like some stuff that's not awesome and on the other side it made it so that there's a lot more opportunity for us for some people who who look like us to come up right so so I don't know if that answered the question but that's what came to mind
1: <laughs> yeah no no I, I also it's so validated because I do hear yeah Michelle like we're getting more of our you know diverse writers in the room and it It's nice and refreshing to hear um, somebody give honest feedback of how it's uh, impacting the industry. There's a question here that I think is a good follow-up or segue. What do you think the future of film, TV, media will be like? Are streaming services, social media providing new platforms for
2: artists? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I do think that they are providing more platforms and more opportunity for sure. I think it's a constantly changing thing because I think these streamers are also trying to figure out like what sells, what doesn't. Like that that's going back to what I was talking about earlier. That's kind of the catch 22 of these things where it's like the opportunity is tied into this thing that is like, you know, a capitalist system of like, okay, we got to make money. So even though we need these stories, if they're not able to deliver, then like, you know, we may have to cut them all and then what happens then is the the bigger thing that happens is like then the assumption that those stories are not um uh lucrative then makes it difficult for more things to get made in that same vein even though it could have been just like well that particular story just didn't catch on the way that you like the breadth of white shows you have shows that will not hit and then you have shows that do and like but we don't we're not there yet we're not given that same opportunity of like this one show failed, this show failed. Like, and then it's like, okay, all the shows that are like that, we're just not gonna do anymore. Because, and usually it's because it's it's all the Latino shows. Now and it gets more and more difficult to do that. It's, it's a little bit different. And I think that that is really difficult, but I do think it also, it's also made it so that there are a lot of opportunities for folks like us.
1: Thank you. Uh, can you talk about the role of mentoring in your field of creativity? What makes a good mentor? How do you mentor others in your field?
2: Yeah, um I think a good mentor listens and supports sort of like therapy where like, you don't want to give your like too much of your own opinion because like a person's got to learn on their own, but you also kind of have to guide them towards like the right direction so you know like want to help them get to the to the answer on their own by by supporting them. Um and I think a great mentor like really um like brings out of them the thing that they really want that they I always try to get them to a place of authenticity with themselves because often like they're coming in with a lot of insecurities a lot of fears a lot of like um ideas of what they're supposed to be and do that come from this industry and society and so for me I feel like it's my job to sit with them and say like no but who are you and what is the story that you want to tell that's very specific to you and what is the dream that you have that's really your dream it's not the dream that you've seen other people talking about or you've seen in in the media like this big successful so-and-so it's like do you really want that or do you really want this and like helping them to kind of get to that place and I think a great mentor also knows how to choose mentees I I don't know if that's like a uh, the right way to put it but like I'm always investing in people who I see are going to do the work you know like I can tell when someone's ready for me when they're ready to like take the advice that I'm giving them Um, because I think there's a difference and I say this with so much love like there's there's some folks who actually are can want the dream but there's so much internal work that still has to happen before they can really fully like take it away sometimes and sometimes for me those folks is like I don't think you need no not that you don't need a mentor but like you may also need to go to therapy and like work on like what are the things that are blocking you um, or simultaneously having that conversation but I'm always looking for a mentee who's like going to show up and going to show up with like, Hey, I'd love 30 minutes of your time. And these are the three things we're going to talk about because we're all where I'm busy. A lot of folks are like super busy, right. Who are in these positions of power. And so I love a mentee who's like able to show up to the to the table with what they need from me. Cause then I know that my investment, the time that I'm putting in is going to go a long way for them. I know that it's going to help them really rise. And the, the folks that have invested in that way, I've seen it. I've seen them rise because they are, Ready to um, really own that mentor-mentee relationship and be a part of it, and and I think I I say that that's a important part of mentorship because that's how you get a good relationship and you get results out of the relationship. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. Man, that's so
1: great. There's a question here about you know what advice you would give to young people to inspire them to preserve in their journey. I would imagine that that's a Another extension of what you just said but particularly young people I kind of feel like we opened up the show like it, it is really truly a tough time.
2: Yeah I mean I think what I would say and this is a journey that I'm on have been on will continue to be on for the rest of my life um, is to ask yourself how are you nurturing yourself with, with joy and love and play. Um, creativity is really an extension of Playtime when we were kids, right? When we would dress up in costumes and we would have, you know, play with our toys and make up stories and have fantasy time and like read books. And that's an extension of play. Like what we create our movies, like that's just us being kids. Like that's us having fun, right? And I think what happens along the way often we lose that part of ourselves and we see the work just as work and like there's pressure and there's deadlines. And am I good enough? Is the story good enough? And is what's the point of any of this and what I love about thinking a bit of it as childlike play is that none of that matters like when you're just playing when you're just like I'm just telling a story and I'm gonna have the most fun I can at telling that story and guess what I'm not gonna do it perfectly and I'm gonna learn from it and I'm gonna keep getting better but my job right now in this moment is to have fun and play and tell a fun story And I really like that's something that really came to me more deeply in the last like three and a half years because that's when my niece came into my life. My sister had a baby, and she's like the first grandchild in the family, in our immediate family. And watching the way that she plays, it was just like, oh, yeah, that was me too. And like, that's why I do what I do. That's why I write. That's why I direct. That's why I put on whole productions. Because when you really think about it, you're like, what are we doing other than just make, blame, make believe, right? And having fun. And I think that like remembering that, um, always from like, like will allow you to tell great stories because you're going to be, you're going to release the pressure. And there's a lot like physically in the body when you're holding a lot of stress and grief and anxiety, it's actually makes it hard to create, like there's actual science behind it. Like you can't really create from a place of stress and anxiety, so if you're able to release that, whether it's through this idea of meditation, therapy, whatever it is that you need, running, um, it'll bring you, but dancing, oh, dance, dance it out. It'll bring you back to the work in a way that's much more um, authentic and, and playful and fun because you're a human being who deserves to have joy and your work should be joyful. So that's what I would say. I love that.
1: What what is the best piece of professional advice that you received, and who was it from?
2: Ooh, the best piece of professional advice. Oh wow. Oh dang, I I got stumped. Normally not stumped. I'm trying to remember a good one.
1: While you think of that, I'll share one in college. It was college uh, from a professor, and it was I was. Going to try to go into writing, writing something for TV, or and but she said, you know, my best piece of advice to you is let it suck because your first draft sucks
2: yeah. anyway. <laughs> yes, it does suck. Not yours, everybody's. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, I don't know why I can't think of one that someone has told me. I know there's been a billion things that I've been told, but I, I'll just share some advice that I like and sure I learned it from someone um remembering uh, like I'm a very spiritual person so I often think of my work as like this thing that I'm channeling into the world and and when I think about it that way I think about how like I am the vessel channeling that and how that vessel needs to be taken care of and that if you're not taking care of the vessel how can you bring this birth this story into the world right we let we help we support mamas when they're like bringing life into the world we like you know, they have the, the postpartum time to, to care for themselves. And I feel like as creators, as artists, like we often don't give ourselves that. We just keep, you know, hitting ourselves hard and keep going, keep going. But to see yourself as this like kind of magical being that's bringing magical stories into the world and then remembering that that magical being needs to be taken care of and loved and um, given massages, and like all the things that you need to bring these stories into the world, because, that's, you're magical. There's a special thing that you're doing and it's important to, to know that and to, and to take care of it.
1: Thank you. Is there a TV show or film that changed or had a significant impact on your life?
2: Um, I don't know. If it, I would say these shows were like, um, changed my life, but I will say that they're like shows that I greatly admire and strive towards. Um, and those are Fleabag. By Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, and I May Destroy You by uh, Michaela Cole. Those two shows have been like on my mind for years. Since I think it's only been a couple of years for for one of them, and maybe like four or five years for the other one. But I just feel like they're just so the 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 tone, the vibe, the the balance of comedy and drama for me, are in the story of of a, a very complex women, and both of them each of them and have complicated, deeper layers to them for me is just like the like the, the special sauce for me of like the, the sweet spot of where I love to live in my work and I, I strive towards trying to get to that place and in the, in the projects that I'm working on now um, but yeah I would say those are the ones on top of my list right now and then I would say the fun one that's a silly story I like to tell but not actually that silly is that I grew up loving Star Trek and I remember thinking like, oh, like I want to be an astronaut, I want to go to space. And then at some point I realized, oh, no, I just love all these characters and I want to pretend like I'm in space and I want to make up stories and worlds. And and I remember that being a thing that, that helped me realize that like, oh, I want to tell great stories, like I want to tell, tell uh, fantasy and fairy tales, you know. <laughs> I love that. Um, many artists talk about
1: how creativity sometimes comes by surprise. Is there an experience that has happened
2: to you that you can share? Creativity that's come by surprise? Oh, that's a deep question. You know, I, what I'll say is a, a reminder of like needing to feed my creativity with other creativity, with other creative arts. And I recently went to New York. In April, um, the beginning of April and right before that, I was kind of struggling with creativity because, you know, I had been working really hard through the pandemic making a show, writing other, you know, movies and, and had just gotten my overall was working on that and I was like really like burned out essentially and just kind of, you know, working on trying to get back the, the juice and I went actually to New York to work on a project with another artist there and while I was there one it was just beautiful to be in this this great you know magnificent city that's always been like a dream place for me I've been there before but for some reason this time around I just it felt cool because I was working with someone who I really admire and in the evenings I went to um, watch some musicals and when I watched the musicals I remember I was reminded I was like oh yeah sometimes you got to walk away from your work and walk into someone else's work and sit with it and let it inspire you and let it pour into you and and I didn't realize um how much I needed that and how much it it, it sparked in me like the excitement to get back to my own projects and my own work and like inspired like you know triggered other other ideas and the last musical I saw was Wicked and I had never seen it before. I had been wanting to see it forever. And I I was there by myself that last night because some friends had visited and then I was alone. And so I bought myself a ticket. I sat like the best seat. It was like the center. I bought myself the best seat at the center because I'd never been able to do that. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I just sat there. And the minute that the, you know, currents flew open, the opening number happened. I was just like a five-year-old with like my little drink and just like smiling big. And I was like, oh yes, this is like, this is what I want. This is like the stuff. This is the reason I do what I do. And, and it allowed me to come back and, and create and write from a place that was filled with, with that creative, like flow. And so I guess in some ways that was a surprising way for me. I didn't realize I needed that. I needed that to do what I do, you know?
1: That's awesome. Um, somebody has said to me this week, you know, yeah, find your people, find your tribe, find the people that will listen to you, believe you, and want to push you to you know go for the stars and it seemed like you know you found that in a way in your industry between again America Ferreira and Eva Longoria and these all these amazing folks um, how do you how do you do that how do you find your people or do they find you or how does that work
2: dang yeah how do you find your people i think you just show up every day to to the work like because honestly like you know the America thing came through me working with Marvin on on our digital series and she read those scripts and because of a general meeting, and she fell in love with the work she fell in love with seeing something on the page that felt like home to her and felt like like her and so then you know she came on board to that and in the process of working together we we you know became friends and and I didn't expect for her to end up being the director on the film that I was that I had adapted um, but after working with her and like she had directed episodes of our first season, I thought she was incredible. Macro, you know, wanted to reach out. I was like, Oh my God, I would love for her to be considered. And, um, and it just ended up that way. And she and I worked on that project together and that, you know, was a very an amazing experience. I hope to talk about someday, but she and I really went deep into the material together. And that led to this like, you know, a uh, connection that was very, special and important and I think you know with Eva I um she found me <laughs> she was like you know they had brought a, a project to me and Marvin that was another project she was doing and she actually was like I want Linda for Flaming Hot and she was trying to get um uh, my Mexican daughter's script to read so that she can like get me on into it and they reached out to me actually just like a few weeks before I was going to go into surgery <laughs> we were in post on season one And I was like, well, I can't can't do this. Like, I'm going to search. And they're like, well, we'll we'll wait. We'll wait till she's, you know, ready to come and talk to us. And and it worked itself out. But I think, like, you know, beyond just, like, finding your tribe or your people, like, that's going to happen, I think, organically as you show up to events. And if you're looking at at a particular type of community, like, for me, I was looking for Latina people who were going to be, in the arts, right? And I just went to community events. I followed people in the community online. I supported them and uplifted their work and they did the same for me. And in the process of uplifting each other, we became friends. Like we to, like the, the gold standard for us was or the, the key was us just always uplifting each other and supporting each other's work. And that organically created community and created um, you know, ways that we ended up working to. Then you start to work together because you're like, I love that person. Like maybe we could do a thing today together. Um, but yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of ways, but I think showing up is first and foremost to the community. Cause I think there's a lot of people who will ask that question. They're like, How come I don't have how come they didn't invite me to this? How come, you know, XYZ? And it's like, well, most of us were not invited, we just showed up. We said, Hey guys, hi, I'm here. Let me leave a comment. How you doing? Oh, when's the thing? Can I come? Like like showing up is half the half the battle.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um how about Latinx Pride and Joy? You know, we we had that identified and then and I'm sure many more other shows or other ways but uh share with us in what ways we can continue showing up for Latinx Pride and Joy.
2: I mean, I think well you could go to Latinx Pride probably this month. <laughs> There's that um uh I think supporting the the, the shows and the films that celebrate it, you know, like when you see something coming out, that's like the community is uplifting and saying, please go watch, like, please go watch it. Like, I think there's a lot of folks who sometimes equate Latina content with like foreignness, like, Oh, that's not for me. That's like foreign. Right. Um, And I think we're still sadly like um, dealing with the repercussions of xenophobia and probably will from for a long time. But the reality is most of us have been here forever and our stories are American stories so like as much as you want to watch that like American TV show that historically you've been told is what's American a show like *Hands the Fight a show like um, Gordita Chronicles which is coming out um, soon Rutherford Falls just dropped today which is a native um, show but it's created by native Mexican creator Sierra um, Ornelas Teller like go support it and watch it on Peacock like those are things that like our, our people and, and shows that in movies that are really trying to show us in our, um, in our joy, in our, in our pride, right? So if you support those things, there will be more. And then we can see ourselves in them and we can start to, to, other people can see us in ways that are new and different, not just sad and morose and broken, but they get to see us be full humans. And then that starts to change the narrative, right? Not only in media, but in the world. Thank you so you know how we were talking about
1: uh, being complicated or having complicated conversations can be beautiful. Let's go back to that and all right <laughs> <laughs> um, a subject like gentrification because right it's it's happening yeah. and it's happening more and more in uh, communities bipoc communities. I mean today in San Francisco, the front page of The Chronicle or our local newspaper they talked about, what the tech industry did to San Francisco and now a lot of them are moving out and we're left with, with a lot of trauma, you know, poverty or prefer- uh, oppression. So maybe, you know, let's, let's talk about, yes, it's complicated when we talk about um, issues like gentrification, but there are ways in which we could rise up and do something about it.
2: Yeah. Um, I it's it's about it's so funny because you know I know I I did a show about it obviously so you would say you would assume like she's an expert in it right um but I never see myself in that way because I my I feel like my role in the process is always to turn to the community and the activists in that community and what is it that they're calling you to do because I'm an artist who can translate the experience and put it on the page and ask the big questions right here are the questions we're asking these are the things that are happening like they're not black they're not white they're complex and they're difficult and sometimes they're beautiful and sometimes they're painful and sometimes we're thriving and someone sometimes we're not um i can ask those questions but in terms of like creating change my first thing and what i learned in my work just you know my very early roots in college were around activism and what i've always learned over time is that you turn to the leaders who are doing the actual work and who are doing that that work day in and day out right like i i show up to the work in my art but i'm not on the i'm not on the ground doing the organizing so i always tell people turn to the organizers in your community what are they saying to do because they're the ones who've been in the trenches doing the work for many years and they will know exactly what you need to do. They'll have a whole list for you to do. They'll be like, come on, come on down to the meeting. Here are all the, the things we need you to do to, to support this movement. Um, and I think that that's always the place I tell people to start to help like you because anything can heal, nature heals, right? Even a community that's been disrupted and traumatized will find a way back to itself if people come together to heal it together, right? Um, And it doesn't come without challenges and obstacles, but it is possible. And for me, it's always turning to the people who've been doing the work and supporting them, whether it's like, you know, donating to them or um, what what have you. But that's the first step, I think.
1: I found the answer intensified, you know, just the way that you depicted so many different people coming together. And even if they had different ideas or different views, um, in the end, what worked was listening to each other or caring about one another. Um, that's what I loved. That's what I think. That, and I asked you that because I saw that and Hentified. And so again, thank you for that. And thank you for continuing to tell stories and for writing. We got so a couple more questions from our audience here. Has there ever been a time that you've had to walk away from a project Uh, difference in direction of the story, difference in opinion by the director, the studio management, and how were you able to come to that decision?
2: Yeah, um, I haven't actually. Not any project where I've been that deep into it. Um, I'm sure that it'll probably happen at some point. I'm prepared for that possibility. Um, But it hasn't happened for me so far. And I think what I've learned... um, and it's not to say that I haven't been in a position where I've been like, oh, my gosh, should I walk away. <laughs> that has also happened. But, you know, I worked through it. But I think what I've learned from that is like picking projects that um, fulfill me, make me happy, have good collaborators who I trust, producers who are positive. Like I'm always looking for the good people in this industry because this industry is, you know, there's there's toxic people everywhere. Right. But in this industry especially, so I'm always looking for, like, are you sharing the same values as me so that when we go to work together, it's going to be a a harmonious, you know, beautiful experience versus, like, a toxic, painful one. Um, Because I'm at a point in my life where I no longer want to put myself through pain. Like, I'm not here for pain. I'm here for joy. I'm here to nourish myself and take care of myself and live a full, happy life. Um, And so the choices I make, even with the projects and the people I work with, um, all have come from that place of like, okay, am I going to have a good experience? And you can always a hundred percent predict it, but that's why doing the internal work on yourself helps you to um, refine your own inner compass. And like that compass starts to get more and more honed in, and then it gets easier and easier to be like, wait a second, that little red flag there, we're not going to do, this is not going to work. I already know. Um, so I would say like, you know, in those situations, there's that, but I have also uh, learned that like being able to have the freedom to walk away to know that I can is one of the reasons why it's made it easier to choose certain projects and say I'm going to move forward with this I feel good I'm not 100% sure but there's something that tells me I got to do it but I know I have the freedom to walk away um, and having and it's scary and painful I'm sure to do it and I've done it in other scenarios not projects um, but I never regret doing it because it's always the best decision in the long run so um, that's what I'll say about that. What about handling critics,
1: especially critics who say things like, "Oh, you know, no, let's not include uh, the black trans Latinx character. It's it's too much," or something like that.
2: Oh wow, was that a criticism? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: never mind. Because um, I I could see you like writing more around you know. Uh, including these types of characters. I was
2: like, does someone not want that kid? I love her. Um, yeah, no, you know, I obviously we get critiqued, or we got critiqued, obviously with you know all the different trades and all that good stuff. I mean, we were blessed that we had a lot of great critical review, um but you know, there was the the review here and there that was like, wait, I remember there was like one, I forget which outlet it was. It was one of the big ones. I won't say specifically because I don't want to. I might have been Hollywood reporter, I forget. But there was someone who just really did not like it. And they were like a well respected, they were like first gen immigrant themselves. And I was like, how interesting. Like that they like they were like intensely critical of it in a way that I nobody else was being. And and you know, I just I, I don't know if it's a thick skin thing or what, or I've just lived in the digital world for a long time. So I had a digital company before, you know, I got into television and you learned very early on that. You know, the internet, the world comes with the, the, the people who are going to like tear you down, the people who are going to lift you up. And that's the thing that you got to do is just focus on the people who are going to lift you up because at the end of the day, you are not going to be for everybody. You are not going to fulfill everyone. It's impossible. Like, we all are going to, I hate things and I'm like, oh, that was trash. You know, like, I, I do it all privately. I don't say it publicly because I respect artists, but. You know, and it's not because it's just it wasn't for me. It wasn't created for me, you know, and, and that's important. But I think if you're saying specifically um, stories that are about us, like, I think it's the same thing. Like, you, if, if you don't want it, it's because there's some sort of internal bias that's keeping you from wanting it. And that's your problem. That's for you to figure out and work on. But I'm going to go do my thing and I'm going to do my thing for the people who do need it, who do want to see it, who are being seen by it or who are learning from it like there's for every person who has that criticism there's usually 100 more that um that are actually very positive they're just not as vocal um because they don't need to be they don't need the attention (laughs) in the same way right so that's how i see it and i just try to work from that place of course those things hurt every now and then but um as much as you can ignore it and just move forward it's it's better
1: i'm gonna make a t-shirt tonight and wear it tomorrow and it's going to say it's your problem
2: (laughs) Yes, make it, do
1: it. We have time for uh, one more question. And so I'm going to kind of add my last question with this audience question. And it was kind of the same vein anyway. Um, But yeah, what would you like to see more of to inspire students, especially in arts education or even, you know, young girls who want to write, who want to dream, who want to make TV shows and films like you?
2: like what type of programming I would want for them or
1: um I, maybe not necessarily programs but any of the students but, in arts education and writing and you know kind of what what could inspire them to keep going if you can give us some advice give us some words of wisdom uh yeah. keep them motivated to stay in the arts
2: Honestly, someone, uh, I'm forgetting the the woman's name who introduced us, um, Lata, I believe it was, her last name, um, she said it, which is the beautiful thing that's happening right now, which you all brought me here to speak and um, having people who look like you doing the thing that you want to do or doing the thing that you didn't even know existed and realize, oh, I do want, that's something I want to do is life-changing. And actually one of the reasons why I do these speaking events and I, I put myself out there, I'll never forget, early on and had to fight, like, you know, we had these opportunities and I kind of like was shying away from them because I, you know, it's nerve wracking to be public. It's very nerve wracking. And I remember Marvin, Marvin actually telling me like, you know, there's so many girls who need little girl brown girls who would need to see you. I need to see that you are out there, that you exist, that you are running a show, that you're creating shows, that you're writing things. And, um, and I think shortly after that, we had done a panel somewhere and, and literally young girls came up to me and then, I saw that reflection and then they were like, I couldn't, I can't believe that you exist. Like I get that constantly. People come up to me and go, like, I can't believe you exist. You look like me, you speak like me. You have the same upbringing as me. Like, and that doesn't, isn't real. Like it doesn't happen ever. And it, it's made me realize how critical it is that I put myself out there over and over again, that I show up over and over again, that I speak and that I speak from the most authentic place possible so that people who are exactly like me or close in proximity to who I am can see themselves and I think the more that you can bring those examples to these young girls um the more they're gonna feel the inspiration to to know that they can do it because that's that's really all we ever need is the example of like oh okay someone is out there doing it then I can do it and I think that is incredible and I applaud all of you all for for doing it you know like we're, we're doing it and I continue to do it.
1: Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you for all that you, can, you do, you continue to do, and uh, that you create. And again, thank you for Hentified.
2: Oh, thank you. Such a pleasure speaking with you. This is wonderful.
1: Well, this concludes our program. Thank you to all of you who joined us this evening for this special conversation. Our thanks to Linda Yvette Chavez, co-creator, co-showrunner, and executive producer of Netflix's Hentified. The Applied Materials Foundation. Thanks so much for supporting this program. And again, thanks to all of you. For more programming, you can head to
0: commonwealthclub.org.
1: We'll see you next time.
2: You've been listening to the Commonwealth
0: Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play,
2: and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate.